When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Ken Absak, and this is Daily Thrones, a quick look at the world of Ice and Fire, episode 76 of the full podcast form. But this is, uh, well, I've lost count. Hundreds upon hundreds of Daily Thrones broadcasts here on Anchor going back to March, and I'm glad you guys are here. As we look towards season eight, I want to answer the question, how to stop a Night King. This was raised yesterday by a caller. This has been talked about a little bit here on Daily Thrones, but I think we need to really get into it. I think we really need to try to figure this out as we, uh, and this is probably going to linger with us all the way up to and maybe through season eight because we might not get the answer until then. But how do you stop the Night King and his army of the dead? If you're Jon Snow and his people and you're looking at maps and you're talking strategy and you're saying, Tyrion, don't worry, sit the strategy strategy session up. How do you stop him? I have to assume, regardless, let's for a moment forget the Night King's motivation or not try to factor it into our conversation. His motivation is domination. He's a force of evil. Let's see. He's, if he's marching towards the God's Eye, is he, is he marching towards King's Landing, is Winterfell, Hall, whatever it is. We're not quite sure yet. So let's just put that out there uh, to be answered later. The Night King is marching south. He has a dragon. He has an army of the dead, which includes giants, by the way, and possibly Hodor. Um, and he's breached the wall at Eastwatch by the sea. He's still got a ways to go. Now, they've been marching slow, but I think the Night King was wandering in the desert, so to speak, previously. Not really uh, just waiting for a way to get through that wall. He finally got it, of course. Now, I think they can just march on through. They're not going to face a lot of resistance. The, the last Earth, the Earth, the Umbers, are going to be up first. There's no way. There's no Valyrian swords up there. They can launch fire. If, if the word can get out that fire can take care of the Whites, then all right, then you got a chance. But even then, with that dragon flying high, what are you going to do? How do you take down that dragon? If you, even if you have a scorpion bolt, what's got to be on that scorpion bolt? Does it have to be a flaming scorpion bolt? How are you going to load that fast? The actual mechanical ideas that you need to come up with to go to defend and take down the Night King is what I want to hear from you guys. Let's start from that north as they're heading south. What do you do? If, if the Umbers can put a little dent in them, hold them off for a day or two, and word gets out, Raven gets out, then people, you know, people will know people will get ready but i still don't know what they're going to do now tormund and barrack they probably got word out right away i don't know if any ravens were left at east watch but somehow you run you run you run you run as fast as you can you get to castle black and you send some ravens all right word will get out hopefully hopefully that's the other thing is what do you do with the remaining members of the night's watch shadow tower castle black 50 men maybe I still think you have to attack. I still think they have to come south and east and maybe intercept, put a little dent into that army. But again, what can they do? Flaming arrows is about the only thing at this point 
There's no dragon glass out there. Dragon glass hasn't been. Uh, John didn't leave some bags of dragon glass with Castle Black. He had to go straight to Eastwatch. How do you form the defense of Westeros, the Night King? That's what I want to start hearing from you guys. I'll react to your thoughts. I'll put my own ideas in there. Is it just you go for the Night King himself? Is that it? Is that the stop button that Barrett pointed out to us last season? Does John just have to grab some dragon glass, a flaming arrow, and his Valyrian steel sword, Longclaw, and head straight for the Night King on a dragon? Is that the only way to defeat the Night King? It's How to Stop a Night King here on Daily Thrones. I want to hear your guys' thoughts, including Plan Bs and burning down King's Landing and all that fun stuff. There's a lot of theories out there, a lot of ideas and speculation. Now's the time. Call into Daily Thrones and let's plan the defense of Westeros. Still taking a lot of different answers to a lot of different questions here on Daily Thrones, like what is your favorite house? It's an old question we asked months and months ago on Daily Thrones, but I want to get it in again because we have a lot of new listeners. So what is your house? What would you join? Whose team would you play for if you were in the world of Ice and Fire? Hey, Ken, Kevin Ross. Uh, If I had to pick a house, it would be House Lannister. Because Tywin Lannister has taught all of us the power of patience. Even the boys didn't quite learn it to varying degrees. Cersei certainly did. To put one foot in front of the other, to control a vital resource, to make proper alliances, to break alliances when they no longer suit your house. And to all their enemies out there, a Lannister do pay, uh, does pay their debts, either through gold or through blood. Uh, you have to respect an old man and a young man's game. Uh, and the only way Tywin was ever taken out... Uh, is through his own family and through something he could he did he couldn't possibly foresee his own uh children killing him so uh at the end of the day the lannisters held a stranglehold on uh the south for a very long time tywin lannister and the house lannister because we always pay our debts thanks Hey, Ken, so to answer uh, Mark's question and your question, what is my favorite memorabilia that I own? And I have to be perfectly honest, it is my Stannis Baratheon Flaming Heart T-shirt. I just love it because I love representing the one true king. I know you also have that shirt as well. And as far as what is like, what is my favorite house, I, I really thinking about it, it's not really a house. I, I think I would be a wildling because I am a ginger. I am kissed by fire, and we make great wildlings and maybe if there was egret there someone like egret there i could make you know wouldn't mind making some wildling babies and stuff like that so it does kind of make me think a minute because i know you would be in the night's watch which would kind of make us enemies which would upset me greatly but i'm going to stay with that i would be a wildling all right let's take a look at some big questions in season eight you guys got some calls so we can finally respond to what you guys think is among a lot of things, there's a lot of questions in Season 8 uh, going in, and how do we end it? But what are the biggest questions in your mind? And you guys got some great calls. Let's hear them now here on Daily Thrones. Hey, Ken, so to answer your question about what do I think is the biggest question going into Season 8, and for me, it's what episode will Stannis Baratheon make his triumphant return? No, I'm just kidding. That's not really my answer. My answer is actually, how is John going to take the news that he is, in fact, Aegon Targaryen and that he is Ned's nephew, not his son. You could always tell that he loved being he loves being the son of Ned Stark. And of course, in a way, you know, Ned will always be his father, but I think he's going to be completely shocked when he finds out. But what is he going to do with the information that he is the true heir 
to the Iron Throne, and that Daenerys is as great is his aunt is just I think going to be mind blowing for him. So I think we're in for some very good stuff in season eight. Hey Ken, I think the biggest question going into season eight is who will be alive by the end of the series finale. Who survives the war against the White Walkers and the Army of the Dead? And who survives the war for the Iron Throne after that? Which is what I'm assuming is going to happen in Season 8. Maybe a few episodes, three or four, battling the Night King and his army. And then the fight turns against Cersei. So the biggest question is going to be, who will be alive by the end of the series finale? Hey Ken, it's uh, Vic from New York. The biggest Season 8 question in my mind is, what is the Night King's ultimate motive? Why has he decided to return now, specifically at this time? I think that he's been waiting in the wings for something specific to happen. And now that that's happened, he's decided it's time to attack. I also believe he must have some connection to the main characters, but we don't know how yet. So I'm expecting some giant-sized twist at the end that um, explains how all that fits together. I think if they don't explain what his motive is and why he's decided to return now, then it'll be a huge letdown for us. Anyway, would love to hear your thoughts. Thanks so much. All right, three good calls about three big questions going into Season 8. We have Eric wondering when Stannis is returning. He's kidding. I'm not kidding. All right, I'm kidding. I've accepted it. Stannis is gone. But the question about how Jon Snow will accept who he is, I think that's a giant question. I still look at Danny and how Daenerys will accept that being the bigger question. But these are all top-notch questions. We're in the upper tier here of questions. We're not worrying about... You know, where Davos is going to get his next bowl of brown. We're talking about the big stuff. So I think this is a good point. How John accepts it will determine how John reacts, which then might determine how Danny reacts as well. There's a lot there. Billy has a question. And I think it is perhaps, I mean, from a certain point of view, the only question going into next season with it, which is who will survive? And I think that's interesting. I think. Uh, you're you're going to see a lot of people go, but who? And who makes sense? Like, again, I thought Baelish would survive to the end. I thought Baelish might sit on the Iron Throne even though it was a, over a kingdom of ashes. He's gone. It's hard to predict sometimes. And we also didn't have a ton of shocking deaths this season. Baelish and Viserion are probably the more shocking of the deaths, and we saw some of those deaths coming Anyway, so Laria Sand and Elena Tyrell, you could have predicted that if you really dug down and thought about it. So who was going to survive? And I think the bigger sub-question of that is Danny and John. Will they both survive? I'm still thinking. Not putting money down on it yet in Vegas, but I'm still thinking Daenerys Targaryen does not survive this war. Then final question from Vic is his big question is the Night King's motivation, which is something we've been talking about for a couple days here a while now on Daily Thrones. What is his motivation? And that's fair to say that that is one of the bigger questions going into next season because is he just a faceless, well, not faceless, we see him, but a mindless big evil? Or is there some point? And why did they come back now? And will that be revealed? One, on the show. Two, in the books. Higher chance in the books, of course. But will the show address it in any fashion? The show starts. The first minute of the show, season one, episode one, is the White Walkers returning. 
It's the first time we see them. It's the first time they've been seen by anyone south of the wall, including the Knights watching that. So what is the purpose? What is the motivation? We're worried about the Night King and his strategy and his endgame. But why did they come back now? Why, as, as Osha said, were they just sleeping and they ain't sleeping no more? I'd love that answer. And if we don't get it, I, like Vic, would be slightly disappointed. More of your thoughts on big questions, the house that you belong to. A lot of stuff here on Daily Thrones are having fun, just biding our time well over a year until season eight. Hi, this is Jen Aries. I'm just calling because, yes, I am a fan of Game of Thrones. And I actually did predict for the longest time that John and Daenerys would get together. But I didn't know to how extreme. But I had a feeling that they would be a couple, if you know what I mean. And now, since they did, towards the latest end of the season, they did get together, slept in bed. <laughs> and besides that, just um, everything going on. I, my thing is, I strongly agree that John and Daenerys would meet, be the main king and queen of the world. So I just want to see how you feel and see what everybody feels about that. Because I strongly agree that Daenerys and John would be the king and queen of the the world. So, talk to you soon. Bye. The biggest question that I have going into season eight is, is it going to be a happy ending or is it going to be a sad ending? Because there's been a lot of tragic moments in Game of Thrones and that's almost um, how it's got its reputation for being so good is that it's not afraid to kill off main characters and in a brutal way, in a shockingly twisted way. So I wonder if that'll keep consistent with season eight, the last season of Game of Thrones, because season seven was, you know, very different from the rest of the previous six because of its pace. And um, this is, you know, a book that's not written by George R.R. Martin anymore. So you never know if Hollywood script writers are going to take it in a different direction that's more mainstream than before. Closing out the broadcast day here on Daily Thrones with two new calls. That's right, new caller alert, and I absolutely love you new callers. Keep calling in, Jen and Travis, calling in with some good ideas here, and I think they're connected. Jen's talking. She's introducing herself to us, and hi, Jen. Welcome, like I said. Um, she said she always kind of suspected that John and Danny would get together, no matter how uh, weird that might seem. She kind of thought it would happen and kind of sees them possibly ending up as king and queen. Could that be the breaking of the wheel? And that ties into a little bit, in my mind, what Travis was saying, is wondering if we're going to have a sad ending on the show. Now, George R. R. Martin has promised a, quote, bittersweet ending to the story. That That is the books. Game of Thrones on HBO has definitely gone outside the box. Sometimes better, sometimes for worse. But it is still a damn good show. And I can understand what Travis is saying. That maybe, just maybe, the producers want to give it more of a happy ending than George R. R. Martin is prepared to give it. So could that end up with John and Danny? Maybe still related question mark but not caring hand in hand ruling as king and queen on equal levels equal playing fields could they share the iron throne and that be the breaking of the wheel i still think the breaking of the wheel could be democracy coming to the land 
and that we're going to have some heavy hearts as viewers. So I think the question is answered by it's going to be a sad ending on the show. They'll keep it somewhat tied to what George R. R. Martin says, but I think it's a fair question to wonder if we're going to get more of a happy ending when season eight comes to a close. What do you guys think? Call in here to Daily Thrones, favorite the station so you don't miss a broadcast. Share it so you can tell the world your call got put on here on Daily Thrones. I do appreciate it. Tweet it out. Put it on Facebook, etc., etc. Don't forget we have a daily podcast available on Apple, iTunes, and Google Play. We'll see you tomorrow. Talking Game of Thrones.